Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a fresh, brand new episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am hoping that you had a fantastic weekend with Christmas, Christmas Eve, of course, Sunday, the day after Christmas, nice little day off. But yes, it is back to reality for most people. Kids are on school vacation, so congratulations. Enjoy the vacation. College kids are also on vacation for winter break, so it is a nice time for the family to be together this time of year because that means the kids are home. So unfortunately for the parents, they got to deal with their kids, but all fun and games, of course. But in seriousness, hopefully you had a fantastic Christmas the other day if you celebrate Christmas. If not, hopefully you've had or having a happy holidays, but we have some stuff to talk about today. We got the Celtics blowing their Christmas game against the Bucks. We got NFL scores to react to from Week 16. And yes, of course, we have the Patriots and Bills game to discuss and break down, as we always do here on Monday. But before we get into any of that, before we get into any of that, I do want to ask a quick question in regard to the YouTube channel. Just a quick question. How do you guys... Or are you guys liking the content that's being released? Obviously, the podcasts on Monday and Friday are a staple. But yesterday's Hall of Fame discussion, the raffles, which is kind of a necessity, right? Um, The hobby shop discussion, who to submit your cards to, the trade nights. And I have a bunch of other videos coming up as well. But how do you guys feel about the content that's being released? Through the month of December, I've done a re- I've been trying to release videos like a lot, like consistently. And I I love doing it. It's super fun. I'll have no problem doing it moving forward, but if it's something that people want me to dial back on, then I will. But I just feel like I'm trying to give you guys as much information as I possibly can. And as much content that's enjoyable, exciting, entertaining as possible. So I just want to know how you guys feel about that. Because like I've said, since the end of November, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2. Since November 29th, I've released 22 videos, including the podcasts on YouTube. So I just want to know... If this is something that I should keep up, this heavy scheduled release of videos, or if I should dial it back. 
you know, do people want shorter videos, longer videos? Like, what are they in the mood for? Because I want to make videos for you guys. I want to make YouTube content for you. I don't want to make it for me. It's fun for me to make, but I want to make it for you. So if it's something that I need to change up and switch up a little bit, I'll happily do it for the greater good. If I need to stay the same, then I will. But if I need to make a small tweak here or there, then of course I absolutely will do that. But let me know. If you're listening to this, please leave your comments down in the YouTube, uh, the YouTube comments below. If you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, then reach out to me via social media at Cartown because I need to know, I want to hear your voice and opinion, because I don't want to make this channel just for me. This channel is for you. Any Murphs, Car Town, and Sports Shop related info, content, videos, anything like that, of course, including the podcast, including the raffles, the trade nights, vlogs, this and all that. It is all under one roof and umbrella. So your feedback would be greatly, greatly appreciated. But without further ado, let's actually get into today's topic, which is, of course, we're going to be starting off with the Celtics versus the Bucks from Christmas Day. Now, this game was a doozy for a bit. It was a doozy for a bit. Hold on. Let me get to the Celtics full schedule because I just typed in Celtics Bucks. Let me get into the actual schedule. Ooh, they play the Timberwolves today. Whip-de-doo. All right. Anyways. This game started off, I think, slow. I remember I checked the scoreboard uh, like early in the first quarter, and they were down by like 10 or whatever, but they ended the first quarter 35-22. They stayed in control until the second half where the lead started to slip. Now, I believe, if I am correct, that I saw on the bottom line of like ESPN or something, that at one point the highest lead was 19 points in the second half, which makes me think, like, oh, Celtics were able to perform good, hopefully get the win, but no, they blew it. They lost the third quarter, 43-32, to 42, uh, 43-32, excuse me, that's 11 points. Then they lost the fourth quarter, 27-19, which is 8 points. So in the second half, they lost by, do some math, 19 points. This team, this team is so frustrating. So frustrating. They... We're right there. Tatum played 40 minutes. Smart played 40 minutes. Brown, 37. Rob Williams, the Time Lord, 39 minutes. Peyton Pritchard played 30 minutes himself. I understand that you have tons of players in the health and safety protocols because of COVID-19. Every team is going through it, so we cannot use that as an excuse. We just can't. Some teams have been hit a little harder than others. Some teams a lot less than others. But it's just a fact of what's going on right now in the NBA. Okay? So I'm not going to say that, oh, well, Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder were in health and safety protocols. That's why they lost this game. Nope, not doing that. Actually, Jason Tatum is now in health and safety protocols as of this morning. So that is something to stay on the alert for. But it's just so frustrating when the Celtics can dance with the league's best of the best. And we've seen it plenty of times. We've seen them dance with the um, the Warriors most recently. We've seen them now just dance with the the Bucks, the 76ers, who are supposed to be an inferior team, but they can dabble with them. The Lakers even, the Clippers, the Jazz. It's like, what are we doing? Finish these games. That's their problem. 
that's their problem. They can't finish games. They can't close out games when you need them to close out. Now, is it because they don't have a closer, a fourth quarter threat? Whatever. Tatum scored a bunch of points in the fourth quarter, so you'd like to think that it is him. It should be him. Is it him? That's the question we need to start asking. Is Tatum that fourth quarter guy? I want to say yes. And I'm not going to hold his, you know, he had 25 points on Christmas, which is good. So it's not like he sucked. Nine rebounds, four assists in 40 minutes. But that's the problem right now for this team is they can't close the game out. The Bucks they lost by four. I'm just going to go over some recent losses. The 76ers on the 20th, they lost by five. The game against the Warriors, they lost by four. The game against the Suns, they lost by 21. That was a shit show. The game against the Clippers on December 8th in L.A., they lost by three. Against the Lakers, they lost by 15, which is pretty bad, but you were in it for a little bit until the end. December 3rd, you lost to Jazz by seven. The Spurs, you lost by eight on November 26th. The Nets, you got torched by. So these recent games here are games that you just need to close out. The Cavs on November 13th, you lost by two. Mavs, you lost by three on November 6th. That was a Luka Doncic buzzer beater. Celtics need to find a way, whether it's to stop the team, the defense. I'm sorry, let me start over. To stop the other team while while you're on defense from scoring in the fourth quarter or you yourself need to find ways to score more in the fourth quarter. Pick one. Because clearly you can't do either. So just forget about the other one. Just say, screw it. We're not going to play defense in the fourth quarter. Let's just make sure we get buckets. Or, screw the buckets. They'll come naturally. Let's focus on playing some damn good defense. Pick one. Because right now you're 16 and 17. Yeah, 16 and 17. And say, I don't know how many games. Just say I said five games, right? That, you know, Celtics lost by this, Celtics lost by that. Say they win three of them. Say you win three more. Now you're 19 and 14. And you know where that would put you? Right behind the Cavaliers for sixth in the East. It's bamboozling. It is bamboozling for sure. Celtics are four and six in the last ten games. So they're going through a rough patch right now. Just, oh, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. What are the Celtics going to do? Well, it's very hard for them to do anything because half their team, actually, I think nine players from the active roster are in health and safety protocols. What 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 can we do right now? There's really not much that the Celtics can do right now except just get through this. That's literally it. They just need to get through this. Because they're playing the Timberwolves tonight, uh, today at 8 o'clock in Minnesota. Then they host the Clippers on the 29th. And then they host the Suns on the 31st. Win two of those three games. D- d- don't care how it comes. Whichever way we do it. Just win two of these three games. I am sold and confirming that the Celtics will be a 500 team. Within a couple games, of course. Was there 82 games in a regular season? 41 and 41 is 500. There's no way they win more than 45 games. Zero shot they win more than 45 games. Now, I sure, ho- sure as hell hope they don't lose 45 games either, but that's this team's ceiling right now is 45 game wins. There's 16 and 17 games after 33 
games into the season. We're well over a third of the way into the season. Actually, we're, yeah, a little over a third of the way in the season. Almost at halfway through the season. This team right now is around a 45-win team. That's their ceiling, absolute ceiling. Unless they're able to get healthy quick, make a trade or two, and really put some pieces on this team that can help elevate them to the next level. Obviously, with the trade deadline coming up in February, we'll get well into those conversations come January and into February about whole trading this and that, kind of like what we did over the summer when the Celtics season came to an end. But yes, Timberwolves today, 8 o'clock. Clippers at the Garden, 29th on Wednesday. And then New Year's Eve, they're hosting the Suns. Win two of those three games, please. That's all I ask. All I ask is just win two of those three games. Let's pivot, get it, because pivot in basketball, uh-huh, uh-huh, to football. Week 16 scores across the league. Now, there was a bunch of surprising scores that we need to talk about. Surprising? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Actually, no, there's some surprising scores. Let's, let's be honest. So, Titans beat the 49ers on Thursday night, 20-17, as we know. Packers beat the Browns 24-22 on Christmas Day. And the Colts beat the Cardinals 22-16 to on Christmas night as well. So, to start off, Colts beating the Cardinals, very shocking, very surprising. I really thought the Cardinals would bounce back. But that just shows you how good these Colts are right now. They're on fire. They are right behind the Titans for the AFC South. And Cardinals are slipping fast. They are now... The five seed, although their playoff spot has already been clinched. Let's let me get back to the scores. Lions lost to the Falcons 20 to 16. Lions almost were able to come back from behind, except they threw a pick. It was it in the end zone, I believe. So they were oh so close from coming from behind to beat the Falcons, although it wouldn't really matter. Rams beat the Vikings 30 to 23. Jaguars lost to the Jets 26-21. Trevor Lawrence fumbling at the goal line was really funny. Then the big man recovered it for a touchdown, so that was kind of funny. Eagles beat the Giants 34-10, which we all expected. The Bills beat the Patriots 33-21, which I will talk about later in this episode. Buccaneers dismantled the Panthers 32-6. The Bears beat the Seahawks 25-24. There's a shocking score right there. Both teams doesn't really matter but the Seahawks were able to get the win like I said does not matter at the end of the day but it's still very uh, intriguing score nonetheless we have the Broncos losing to the Raiders 17 to 13 helping the Raiders vault themselves up further into the AFC bubble picture as it pegs the Broncos way down as in making it almost unrealistic that the Broncos get in, although there's still plenty of spots to be had in the AFC as only the Chiefs have clinched a playoff spot. Moving to the Steelers, losing to the Chiefs 36-10 at Arrowhead. (laughs) This one. Washington football team scored 14 points. The Dallas Cowboys scored 56 42 points in the first half for the Cowboys. Holy smokes, 56 to 14. What an absolute torching blowout. I saw something on 
I think it was Facebook where it was a picture of the Washington bench because they transported a team bench with like the decals and everything that said Washington football team established 1932, right? And the caption said, you guys brought your own bench to an away game only to get torched by 42 points. <laughs> I thought it was so funny because the home team will, of course, have their bench, maybe some decals, hey, New England Patriots, da 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 But the away, ba- the away bench will just be a plain white bench or whatever the hell color it is with no decals, no nothing. So the football team transported their bench to this game so they can have a Washington football team bench and then proceed to get blown out by 42 points. I, I just thought it was so funny. Tonight, on Monday night, we have the da- Miami Dolphins visiting the New Orleans Saints. Kickoff 8-15. Big game, actually, because if the Dolphins lose, it'll actually significantly help the Patriots in terms of the AFC East picture slash wildcard because the Dolphins, of course, are breathing down the necks of now the Patriots with just one game, or one and a half games, technically, as of now, separating them both. Okay. Surprising scores. I, I Surprising scores. Uh, Colts beating the Cardinals. Not totally surprised, but I am surprised that the Cardinals weren't able to win, but I am not surprised that the Colts won. Uh, let's see. Jets beating the Jaguars 26-21. to That's a little sh- shocking. I, not that... I had faith in the Jaguars. It's just the Jets. Um, Bengals beating the Ravens. Oh I, oh, I skipped. I skipped these two teams. Bengals and Ravens. Bengals won forty-one to twenty-one. Joe Burrow throws for five hundred twenty-five passing yards, which is the fourth most in NFL history. And the Chargers lost to the Texans forty-one to twenty-nine. I skipped those two games when I was going over my thing. Surprising scores: forty-one to twenty-one for the Bengals over the Ravens. I'm not surprised that the Bengals won. I am surprised that the Bengals scored 41 points against the Ravens and beat them by 20. I am surprised by that. Texans beating the Chargers, that is a big surprise. Not only did the Texans win, but they won by scoring 41 points. Yeah, the defense gave up 29, but that's expected. So, great day for the Texans. Bears beating the Seahawks 25-24. to That's a little shocker right there. And, of course, I am shocked and surprised that the football team got torched by 42 points. Um, I, I thought the Cowboys would win. I kind of figured they would. But not in that style of fashion. Just going to be honest. That's going to be honest. All right. With that now settled, let the smoke clear and the dust settle. Because we have... A conversation to have here. We have some Patriots to talk about. And it's not good stuff, too. It's not good. It's actually a little upsetting. It's... uh, I I am concerned. I, I will put it that way. I am very concerned. After ripping off seven straight wins and improving to nine and four, people pegging the Patriots for the Super Bowl, AFC East title... They've now lost two straight to the Colts last week and now to the Patriots this most recent week. Now, I did not take anything for granted. I knew the Patriots weren't going to walk away with that win against the Colts very easily. 
nor did I expect them to walk away with this win against Buffalo yesterday very easily. Both are great teams, Bills and the Colts. Both of them are fighting for playoff spots. They both have great teams, coached very well, talented offenses and defenses. Can we say the same about the Patriots, though? I've sat here, and I've broken down the schedule of who they beat. I'll do it once more just to recap in case people may have forgotten, any new listeners. Patriots, after they lost to the Colt, uh, the Cowboys, excuse me, 35-29 to in overtime where the defense blew it. The Patriots proceeded to beat the Jets, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Browns, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Bills. That was their seven-game winning streak. Now they have lost back-to-back games against the Colts and the Bills. Was that seven-game winning streak that they went on through October and November and then just one week in December, was that just fraudulent? Was that just them beating bad teams? Jets, they should beat the Jets. Chargers game, that was a good game. I'll give them that. That was a good win. Panthers, half-healthy Christian McCaffrey. Browns, they had no OBJ at the time. They had no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Falcons, no Calvin Ridley. Titans, no Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown, no Derrick Henry. The Bills, the game that they won, 40 miles an hour wind. Okay? I'm not trying to come up with excuses of why they lost, but I am at the same time to show you that there is a variable for every single game with the exception of that Chargers game. There's a small variable in that wins formula to show you or to potentially show you that this team may be frauds. Look at the Patriots and Colts last week, 27-17. to 17. No external factors, no wind. The Colts were healthy, no COVID, no this, no that. Game was in a dome. You were on the road. You were down 20 to nothing. You came all the way back to make it a 20-17 to 17 game, which I sat here and I praised. I loved that. That shows the comeback. That shows the grit, the grind, the I'm not giving up attitude. But then your defense blows it and gives up a 60-70 yard touchdown to Jonathan Taylor. And then you lose. So it's both good and bad from that game. You like what you saw from Mac Jones in the fourth quarter. You liked what you saw in your defense in like the, the second half of the game, except that one play. So there's things to take away from that game. What do I take away from this Bills game, this most recent Bills game? What can I or what can you take away from this game? I'm not taking away much. Will I admit that the offense looked nice in the second half? I don't want to say nice, but they stepped up a little bit. They actually showed out to play in the second half. Damian Harris, 18 carries for 103 yards and three touchdowns. I'll give him credit. He balled his ass out too. I think Damian Harris is the only bright spot for this entire team. I really believe that. The Patriots, after two weeks with two losses, faced the Jacksonville Jaguars next week and the Miami Dolphins the week after that. They need to win both of those games. They need to. I really believe they need to. I feel like they should be able to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Miami Dolphins going to be a little tricky talk about that later we'll talk about the Jaguars even on Friday 
But what I'm seeing from this Bills team or this Bills game and then the Colts game last week is their offense clearly can't cut it. Clearly can't because the Colts defense is very good. Not elite, not bottom tier, is very good. Top 10. Now, statistically, I, I don't know about that, but just from my eyes and what I was able to see and what I'm reading, I'd say top 10 defense. Bills, you know, been a top five defense past couple years. You know, they've had some slips in here and there, but generally speaking, they should be a top five defense, especially with Tredavious White. Now they don't have them. Are they a top seven, eight, ten defense? I don't know, but let's just, for the safe sake of it, let's just call them a top 10 defense as well. Back-to-back weeks where Mac Jones and the offense had to pass the ball, they were not able to execute and break apart a top 10 defense. Now, I we still have to consider the fact that Mac Jones is a rookie. He is still learning. He is still trying to get the ropes of things. He's not going to go out there, throw 400 yards, five touchdowns. He's not going to do that yet. Now, if this was year one, uh, year two or year three of Mac Jones, then I'm going to be sitting here tearing him apart, especially for those two interceptions. Well, one of them was like a Hail Mary towards the end zone that got picked off late in the fourth quarter. Do we count that? Not really, but the other one we do count. But Mac Jones is still a rookie, and people need to remember that. He had so much success in the middle of the season. He played so well in the middle of the season that people are forgetting that he is a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes. He's going to throw interceptions. He's going to over-under-throw players. He's going to make the wrong read. He's going to make the wrong adjustment. He's going to call the wrong plays. He's not going to be able to deliver in the highest of moments. But us Patriots fans have such high expectation for our team, our players, our coaching staff even, for them to perform at a high elite level. We're used to 20 years of Tom Brady being able to do that. 300 yards, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions. 300 yards, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions. 400 yards, 5 touchdowns, 1 interception. Like, that's what we're used to. Okay? Last year's Cam Newton was a reality check that we don't have Tom Brady anymore. Not every team has Tom Brady. And this is kind of what quarterback play, mediocre quarterback play is like. And Mac Jones right now is a very, very good rookie quarterback. He is better than Wilson. He's better than Lawrence. Lance, small sample size. I can't really count him, and he's better than Fields right now. Five years from now could be a different story. Mac Jones coming out of college in the draft was deemed the most NFL-ready quarterback right now. But he has the lowest ceiling. You put him with Bill Belichick, you might be able to increase that ceiling. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields are projects. They need some time. They need some practice. They need the reps. But they have the skills to be a top five, a top three quarterback in this league. That is what they were saying pre-draft about those five quarterbacks. Now, Lawrence clearly sucks. Wilson, he's been playing better, but he still ultimately sucks. Lance, we can't really judge because he's played like two games. And Justin Fields, he's he's in a bad situation too, but he's showing like he doesn't play well. But Mac Jones, Mac Jones, he's 9-6. and six. He has his team running for a playoff spot. 
he's going out there making some good plays, making some bad plays. He was in conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year for a bit. I think that's probably taken a big hit on him now. But at the end of the day, he's a rookie. And I'm not trying to defend him because I'm, I'm not here to defend Mac Jones. I'm here to talk about the Patriots. But people will see Mac Jones is 145 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions and say this guy sucks. Which is fine. Have your opinion. If he sucks, he sucks in your point of view. But Mac Jones isn't the reason why we lost this game. It's kind of my main point here. He's not the reason why we lost this game. The Patriots have no receivers. Zero. Absolutely zero receiving options for Mac Jones. Jacoby Myers, six receptions, 59 yards, was your best receiving player. Kendrick Bourne, two for 33. Bolden, two for 20. Nikhil Harry, two for 15. Jakob Johnson, one for nine. And Hunter Henry, one reception for nine yards. No Jonu Smith? Nothing. Nelson Aguilar missed, missed the game. Am I missing anybody else? Ramondre Steven didn't, Stevenson didn't play. So it's like, what can you have this kid do? What, what more can he do with nobody to throw the ball to? Now, if he had... Randy Moss, Tyreek Hill, Rob Gronkowski, and he's putting these kind of stats up, 145, no touchdowns, and two picks, then yes, let's flame him. Even though he's a rookie, I feel like we should still flame him because you or I could probably go out there and play halfway decent with the targets that I just mentioned. But he has realistically nobody to throw the ball to. Realistically, he has nobody to throw the ball to. So it's hard. You put Tom Brady or put Patrick Mahomes with the, that group of receivers, and they're going to have a hard time. They may play better because they're veterans. They may play better because they have the better skill set than Mac Jones. But ultimately speaking, they're not going to play as well as they can. They're not going to play as good as they can because they're only so limited. They can only throw the ball. They can run a little bit, maybe get a few yards on the ground. But once that ball releases your hands... It is not in your control anymore. The receiver has to go catch it. The receiver has to be open. The receiver has to run the route. They have to, you know, break a tackle maybe. So many variables and so many factors that come into play once the quarterback releases the ball. Now, if we had a, if we had just one legitimate threat wide receiver, would the Patriots be in a better position? Yes, clearly, because week in and week out, me, Radio, social media, you know, news outlets, ESPN, whatever. They're all talking about the lack of weapons the Patriots have. And that's a fact. They have a significant lack of weapons. And that needs to be addressed in the offseason, big time. Because Mac Jones's progression and his, his upward tick, his ceiling, will be limited if he has nobody to throw the ball to. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Number one overall pick. Number, you know, number one kid in the country for the past, what, four years since coming out of high school? They were deeming him the next generational quarterback. But look at what he's doing. He sucks. In 15 games this year, he has a 58.7% completion percentage, a 3,225 3, passing yards, nine touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. I don't think that's good at all. 
Quite frankly, that sucks. That's from the number one overall pick. The number one overall pick in this most recent draft. Now, is that really Trevor Lawrence? I'm going to say no. Is he going to be able to do what he did at Clemson in the NFL? Maybe to a degree. Maybe to a degree. But he's not going to be able to scramble, run around, do all this, pass for 5,000 yards with a flick of a wrist so easily. He's not going to be able to do that. But he sure as hell should be able to do better than this. But look what team he's on. He's on the Jaguars. Who does he have to throw the ball to? LaVishka Chenault? James Robinson? Marvin Jones? I love me Shemvishka, and I love myself J-Rob. I love J-Rob as a running back, not so much as a receiver. Marvin Jones, slow past his prime. DJ Chark? Like, come on. So just, like, put it in perspective. I mean, we could even go with Zach Wilson. Let's, let's look at Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. In 11 games, remember, injury, 56.7% completion percentage, 2,013 yards, 7 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Now, I was very, very, very low on Zach Wilson. I was one of the few people that were very low on Zach Wilson. A lot of people were high on him. Tony Romo said he was the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, A lot of people loved his potential, his ceiling, very high, great arm, can do this and do that. Okay, cool. I respect that opinion, but I don't think he's it. But who is he throwing the damn ball to if he does have all this talent? And if he is supposed to be this great quarterback in a couple years, we're clearly not seeing it now. But if that is the case, all the good things I said, if that is the case that he's supposed to be this great quarterback, it hasn't translated yet. It should translate hopefully soon, right? But it, it's not going to translate when you throw into Jamison Crowder. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who else is on that team for a receiver. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. Oh my God, Braxton Berrios, Chris Herndon the fourth, who's not, who can't even stay healthy. I feel like there's one more receiver I'm missing. Oh, Michael Carter's a good one. Michael, oh, he's a running back though. Michael Carter in the backfield, Elijah Mitchell. So, wait, Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore. I'm sorry, not Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Moore. I had to correct myself real quick. So it's like. They have a lot of potential, a lot of talent on that team, a lot of young talent, I should say, but it hasn't translated yet. Patriots, they have talent, but they don't have potential. Jacoby Myers is in year three, undrafted free agent. Nelson Aguilar, who I'm very low on, got a bag of a contract. He's, you know, he's in his prime, but like he's not like Tyreek Hill prime. Kendrick Bourne, who's nice, he's young. I guess he still has a little bit more potential, maybe. Hunter Henry, John o. Smith, they're in their prime. So it's like, it's there. You you, ha- you have some players, but their ceiling and their potential is only so limited because they're already in the prime of their career. And their prime of their career is not that good. I mean, Hunter Henry, very good. John o. Smith was very good with Tennessee, but he hasn't really translated at all here in New England. So it's like Mac Jones can only do so much. And not to make this the the Mac Jones show, but he can't 
throw for 300 yards. He can't throw for five touchdowns and do all this and all that because he doesn't have the receivers that are capable of helping him do that. Not that he should be reliant on his receivers, but still. it's You have to not just pin the blame on Mac Jones. You have to look at the offense as a whole. And speaking of the offense, now let's switch over to the defense because that's actually where I had the bigger issue is with the defense. And I'm not going to sit here and, and talk for another half hour, an hour, whatever. But the defense, they played so well, so well for a bunch of games. Now they've just absolutely shit the bed. This loss, as much as the offense struggled, as much as the offense did not look good, this loss is on the defense. We all watched the game yesterday. That last drive in the fourth quarter for the Bills. Third and ten they convert. Third and ten they convert. Fourth and one they convert. Fourth and two or whatever they convert again. It's like you need to make a stop. Your defense is relatively healthy. Relatively healthy, right? No COVID. No big injuries. I know Dietrich Wise wasn't playing. So it's like... What are we doing? They have no run game besides Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the run game. They don't really have anybody else that can make an impact in their run game. And you blow it. And you blow it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the Patriots would have came back to win. Not saying that, but they would have been in a position to. And that was one of my keys that I was looking for on Friday is Ken Mac Jones from behind, march down the field with two, three, four minutes left to go in the game and win the game. We would have had that opportunity to see that. If the Patriots stopped Jonathan Taylor on that big 70-yard run two weeks ago, it would have been fourth down, I think. I forget. Don't quote me on that. And the Patriots would have got the ball back and they would have been able to march down the field to potentially win the game. We were robbed of that opportunity. We almost had one again today where the Patriots needed to get a stop. Bills were in field goal range at the time. They would have kicked it. We'd be down by eight. Let's see if Mac Jones can go out there and win the game himself. Well, not himself because it's a team game, but you know what I mean. Nope. Defense blew it. Josh Allen, play action, rollout. Jukes, uh, linebacker. Jukes, J.C. Jackson. They collide. He gets the first down, and it's basically game over. And a little bit more time goes off the clock. Whatever Patriots have them to a third down, they get another touchdown. This defense was so good. And I've sat here and I've clamored, oh, they're number one in the league in, in average points per game. They're number one in average yards per game, whatever the numbers were. Or number two because they were behind Buffalo for, in a couple categories. Where has that defense gone? Where has that defense gone? I don't know. I don't know. And I know J.C. Jackson had a couple balls that he should have picked off and he dropped. Okay, fine. You can point there. But those aren't the reasons why this defense isn't performing well. Those aren't the reasons why. Matthew Judon's not getting to the quarterback as well as he was earlier in the season. The, deep, the secondary is really, really exposed with Miles Bryant out there all the time as your third cornerback, which is a clear, clear disadvantage for the team. He has a lot of potential. He looks nice on a lot of plays. He broke up the the pass from Josh Allen in Buffalo on fourth down to seal you that win. So you have to give him credit where credit's due. But he was really picked apart with Isaiah McKenzie 
yesterday, the Bills wide receiver who had like 12 receptions for like 200 yards, touchdown. It was ridiculous. Christian Barmore getting penalties when he shouldn't. It's just like, what are we doing, guys? Now, this game against Jacksonville needs to be a bounce-back win. You need to perform and execute the game plan, both offensively and defensively, perfectly. You need to get your offense right feeling good. You need to get your defense right and feeling good. Because that game against Miami, not to look ahead, because I'm not, but that game against Miami is going to determine a lot. And you need to go into that Miami game with your offense locked and loaded, ready to go, and you need your defense locked and loaded and ready to go. That's why this Jacksonville Jaguars game is actually significantly important. And I'm not looking past the Jaguars. I'm not going to automatically check off this game as a win. Because with this team in its current state right now, the odds of them getting a win may be significantly high, but it is not a guarantee. If this was the Patriots team from like four years ago, I would probably guarantee this win. But we cannot guarantee this win right now. The Patriots are in a slip and slide right now. They have no idea what the hell's going on. They are sliding immensely and they're losing control. They need to go to the film room, go to the practice field, and then come Sunday, go to Gillette Stadium and execute the offensive and defensive game plan. Because if they don't, even if they get the win, but it doesn't look good, your confidence in them, my confidence in them, is going to be significantly lower. That's just a fact. Because Miami's playing immensely well right now. Whether they win or lose against the Saints this week, they pl- who do they play? I don't even know who they play uh, next week. Who do they play next week? Who do they play next week? Why can't I find it? They play the Titans next week, so that should be a good game for them that they could maybe get a loss on. The Bills play the Falcons next week, so that's probably going to be a win. And then the Bills play the Jets the week after that, so that's probably going to be a win. So Buffalo is probably going to win out. You need to as well. Not because of the AFC East, but just for the playoff purposes. Because only one spot has been clinched, and that's the uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs have clinched a spot. The Titans, the Bengals, the Bills, the Colts, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, and Broncos are all still in it. I just rattled off 12 teams that are still in it. With two weeks to go. And you want to know the funny thing is? The funny thing is, all those teams that I just rattled off with the exception of the Browns and the Broncos have a 500 or better record. There's 11 teams right now in the AFC with a 500 or better record. And the Browns and the Broncos are both 7-8. and eight. This conference is tight, this conference is good, and this conference is competitive. And you need to stay ahead. Because for all the reasons I've mentioned, Mac Jones being a rookie quarterback, the wide receivers not having a lot of talent or skill, the defense really slipping and sliding, you need to stay ahead of the game because when you're down and out, it is evident that you cannot come back to win. It is clearly evident. That you cannot come back to win. And all the times that I can think of, the defense blew it. And I'm not going to pin this one on the defense here. Because it is a team sport. But the Cowboys game, the Colts game, and most recently the Bills game. Three times where you needed the defense to get a stop. And they couldn't. And they failed. 
Okay. Now that's not to guarantee that the offense would have scored on any of those last possessions, but they never had the opportunity to do so. If they had the opportunity to do so, all three games that I'm talking about, then we can sit here and say that the defense stepped up when they needed to. They got the stops when they needed to. The offense did not perform when they needed to. But we can't have that conversation right now. That's why you need to stay ahead of the game. You need a win against the Jaguars. You need a win against the Dolphins to improve to 11-6 and six to solidify yourself in the wildcard standings because that's probably what it seems like you're going to end up with a wildcard spot. As long as you have six losses at the end of the season, you will have a better playoff spot than the Ravens unless they win the division, the Chargers, Raiders, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, and Broncos as they all have seven or eight losses already. But wow, what a rant that I just went on about the New England Patriots. Holy smokes. I really hope you were buckled up for that because that was an absolute crazy, crazy rant that I just went on. But I hopefully everything I'm saying is making sense. I really hope everything is making sense because just because I see what I see doesn't mean it's true. But hopefully what I see and I'm telling you, you can kind of compare it to what you've seen as well from the New England Patriots. I don't want this to just be my opinion my way. I want my opinion to help make you think from what you saw and what you believe in and your opinion is and kind of go from there because us Patriots Nation, we're in this together. We're all Patriot fans together. We want this team to succeed. We are post the Tom Brady era. We're post the Cam Newton era, thank God. And we're into the Mac Jones era. We want this kid to succeed because he's our quarterback. He's a nice kid. He's a good kid. He says the right things. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. And this team, this Patriots team, has given us so much joy and happiness over the past 20 plus years. To see them suck again like they did last year is going to be so miserable and painful again. So that's why if we can play well right now and perform to our potential best right now with Mac Jones, a rookie, then imagine what next year is going to look like when he develops even further. In the year after that, in the fourth year, it's just the future is so bright. And the future will only get brighter if we play better now. But that's going to do it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed everything that I talked about. Celtics, football, and of course, the Patriots themselves. Before I do wrap up this episode, I did actually want to talk some baseball. There's nothing to talk about. Every time I sit down to record this episode or to record an episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I always look to see if there's anything to talk about in regards to baseball because we've been into this lockout for over three weeks, almost a month now, and there's just nothing happening as of yet. So that gives me some pause for concern as when is the league and the Players Association are going to get together? When are they going to start to have a conversation? I don't expect them to figure it out overnight. But just sit down and have a conversation. That's all I want them to do at this point. Get a little headway onto a CBA agreement. But nothing. Nothing. So let's... Probably not until January. And how long is it going to take into January? Because catchers, uh, pitchers and catchers report in the middle of February. First spring training game is in February 26th. So those could be delayed and postponed depending on when they get something going. When they start talking. 
but nothing as of yet. So there's really nothing for me to talk about in regards to baseball. So I guess that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed everything we talked about in today's episode number 117 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio platforms. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please smash that like button if you enjoyed today's episode. Comment any thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns down in the comment section below. And please consider subscribing to the channel if you are new or have not considered subscribing to the channel yet. Anybody, anybody, any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, please reach out to me via social media at Murph's Cartown. I would greatly appreciate because I want to have a talk. I want this conversation to continue throughout the whole week. I obviously will pick it up on Friday when I talk about the Patriots and Jaguars game preview. But there's a lot to talk about between now and then. And I want to have that discussion and conversation with you. But like I said, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.